Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 119. Man, we're getting these high numbers up there. Um, thank you for tuning in, guys. It's lovely to uh, to hear from you all, to have you tuning in. I'm very appreciative of your support of last week's podcast. Went down hugely. We did another drunk cast, if you missed it, and it seems to be the most popular drunk cast so far. So thank you all for tuning in. If, if we don't know, the drunk cast is me, my mate Chris and my mate Stu getting drunk and discussing things that we've been up to and it drags on sometimes this week it turned into four episodes um but some good tales come out along the way and one of the things that we forgot to really get into talking about was me and chris had an amazing time at progress wrestling at brixton academy but today i have someone who who performed there in jack gallagher as my guest so um obviously we're brought to you this week by speech development records.com where you can buy distraction pieces podcast merchandise it'd be cool if you supported that if you're kind of like well i listen every week it's free it'd be nice if 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 you then went right i'm gonna i'm gonna give a little back and buy a distraction pieces t-shirt or a mug or or any of the other things that we have there or just just merch from speech development com in general uh we've got a science section up there now where we've got i've signed dvds vinyl both of my books, uh, the graphic novel of poetry I released in 2010, and the Distraction Pieces podcast, Times Bestseller, um, that I released earlier this year. So check them out and enjoy. But yes, on to this week's podcast. Jack Gallagher is an amazing guy. Um, he's one of my favourite. I, I started going to Progress Wrestling um, at the beginning of the year, and Jack and Will Ospreay were two that absolutely blew me away um, and caught my attention. Will Ospreay has been a previous guest. I recommend you go and check that out. I was speaking to Will a, a weekend after he'd he'd wrestled in front of 20,000 people in Japan at the weekend. And then by the Tuesday, he was back working on a building site in Raynham. And it's amazing. He's, his his star is, is climbing ever higher. So he's be- it's a great podcast. I recommend you check that one out. Other ones I recommend you check out. I've had Jim Smallman of of Progress Wrestling on, who 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 started this amazing company that's that's taking the world by storm. So check that out. I've also had the legendary Mister Chris Jericho. I've I've given the Distraction Pieces podcast the gift of Jericho. So yeah, there's a lot of good wrestling based guests, and they're enjoyable to listen to, even if you're not into wrestling. Obviously, we've got a wrestling podcast on the network in in Tuesday Night Jaw, which Jim Smallman hosts it. We do roundtables and breakdown events. We he's had a, a, a William Regal on in one of the best podcasts I've ever heard in my life. My word, Regal has some stories. He's had Jack Gallagher. He's had Zach Gibson on. He's, he's had some amazing people. So check Tuesday Night Jaw out. But on to this week's podcast. Jack is an amazing guest. Um, he's a really interesting dude. He's got an unusual style that just jumps out and quite rightfully is taking the world by storm. And I mean the world because he's just signed for the WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world and in the history of wrestling. So we had a really good chat. He also happens to have a degree in philosophy and in general is a very interesting guy. He generally doesn't go anywhere not wearing a three-piece suit Um, and he's got a beautiful handlebar moustache or curly moustache. So yeah, it was a wonderful chat. I was very excited to have it Um, and I hope you all enjoy it. As I mentioned, me and Chris uh, went to 
Progress Wrestling's big event at Brixton Academy, the biggest independent wrestling, a British independent a wrestling event in in 10 years or something, or 20 years. And it was amazing. It was one of the best nights out I've ever had. You can watch it, Progress On Demand. Um, a Progress R- R- Wrestling is a great company. L- look them up. A look at their on-demand service. I recommend you enjoying the wonder that was we're going to need a bigger room their night at Brixton Academy. Um, yeah, amazing event. I took some friends along who've never been to wrestling before and they were just in love with it and had the best night. So, yeah, it's really good. I recommend it. But let's get on with the podcast. I'm going to come back at the end and tell you about podcasts we've got to come, including a Game of Thrones cast member, um, a great charity that I've I've chatted to. Um, so I'll tell you all about that at the end, though. For now, enjoy episode 119 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the gentleman, Jack Gallagher. Right, I'm joined today. I'm very excited to be joined by. It's it's. I mean, this is really good because we've been talking about doing a podcast for a while, and then in the time it's taken us to organise it, you've been officially announced and signed by the biggest wrestling company in the history of wrestling. (laughs) So it's kind of good. I'm joined by Jack Gallagher. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, sir. It's very nice. Uh, to have you here so what a year it's been right it's, it's been, been a it's special been, one yeah? yeah it's been it's been a different one yeah, yeah shall we say that it's been a been an extraordinary year for me i mean uh, at some point during this i do want to go back to your your starting off in wrestling and your your upbringing and all this i also want to talk about mma a bit and i want to talk about f- f- philosophy a bit even because um you had an excellent interview on tuesday night jaw which is part of the distraction pieces network and um where the delightful jim smallman will sh- sh- shy away from discussion of, 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 of philosophy we're more than happy to go into that here on distraction pieces and have Marvelous. some have some good discussions so yeah but um let's just i mean we can't not start with the cruiserweight c- classic and what an amazing thing that's been for anyone who doesn't know the cruiserweight classic was competition the wwe put on on their network and it was taking the best cruiserweights from around the world and putting them against each other as it turned out to crown the new cruiserweight champion so how how did that that come about like to get that call and to get selected to be uh, so earlier last year yeah. um i had uh met mr william regal for the yeah. first time just introduced myself to him at one of his q a shows right and um he made it he made me aware that he'd been watching some of my stuff, which, of course, you know, the back of your head explodes when you yeah. do that. And you're yeah. trying to think, okay, stay cool, stay cool, yeah. stay cool. Yeah. Um, so he had helped arrange a WWE tryout for me, which I was yeah. scheduled to do last year. But um, he had failing health because of neck issues. Right. So he had to go back to America and uh, go to his doctor. And because of that, my tryout was sort of... The idea was it was going to be left over until this year, early February. Yeah. Uh, But come early January, I received an email from him saying, listen, we've got some in-ring stuff coming up from you. Yeah. And I think 
I think if they see you in the ring, people will understand what you do better. Right, great. Because obviously what I do is quite different from yeah, everyone else. Completely, completely. Uh, so by about February, I had started hearing about the tournament. We're going to put this on. Yeah. Um, it was uh, very much stressed to me, this is not to make the WWE guys look better. Yeah. This is for you. This is to promote the wrestlers that we're bringing in. Brilliant. Uh, so don't don't worry about that. And I, I'd heard from a couple other people who had uh, talked to me about it, like, Mr. Regal's very much in your corner for this one. So yeah. go in with your head held high and you'll be okay. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, and again, that must have been a, a hugely exciting. For for those who, who don't know, give kind of a bit of a description of, of, of what your style and what your approach is. Again, the... The announcement of a cruiserweight classic instantly makes you think of of, of high flying, of, mm. of of lucha libre type stuff, of of over the top rope, through the middle rope, all sorts of stuff like that. And that's not necessarily what you bring to the table. I mean, arguably, you've got the best drop kick a kick in the game <laughs> right now. So there is you you can be athletic, but mm-hmm. it's not the style that you you focus on. So what's your kind of yeah main approach? Um, I I always term it scientific style wrestling mm-hmm. uh, people call it technical wrestling or some people refer to it as chain wrestling I always think scientific's the best way yeah, like it's much more uh, mat based there's a lot more submission focus quick yeah. pins from me and every now and again I'll throw a headbutt or a drop kick in there yeah. if the, the yeah. occasion calls for it. it it's got that real traditional um, tough guy approach I guess it's technical but it's got that hardness mm. it's, it's the, the beauty of adding a headbutt or a powerful drop kick is sh- is, sh- is showing. Look, I'm choosing to not b- beat you with force here, mm. or, or at least challenge you with force. I'm choosing to challenge you with technique and 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 my mind and my approach, mm. and that that seems to work. It has worked quite a bit. Um, so going into the cruiserweight c- classic now, uh, when it was announced, I was hugely excited to see your name because again, to to give my brief history of my exposure to the the wonder. Of, of of your work, I saw you at the beginning of the year at a progress show, and then I think last month was the first progress show I've missed all year at the at the ballroom because I was just instantly addicted and and was a, a a fan of your work. But when it was announced, and it's interesting hearing what you'd been already told by Regal because that may change what your view might have been. But for me, when it was announced, it felt like. Not that you were one of the guys making up the numbers in any way, but there were certain guys. There was a Bushi, there was a, a, a Zack Sabre Jr., there was a return in Brian Kendrick, and people like that. That it kind of felt that right. They're the guys that are going to be the big that they're pushing mm-hmm. and getting over, and then there's other strong guys who are getting a, a, a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that was exciting was how quickly you became one of the most talked about guys on in the competition and again i'm sure that is partly down to the difference in your style compared to, to a lot of cruiserweights but after your first match you had the daniel o'brien praising you as as one of the best things he's ever seen and i listened to a lot of wrestling podcasts and i was beaming as i heard your name mentioned on jericho's podcast on jr's podcast on steve austin's on all these huge podcasts and again, this is to to clarify how big a deal that is. This was a thirty-two man tournament, mm-hmm. so not everyone is getting mentioned. So, so how did that feel? And did you go in confident that you may n- not have been one of the top build names at announcement time, but confident that you were going to go in there and and get your your piece, as it were? 
It uh, it was interesting actually. I'm not sure if I if I was overly confident. I think my friends were more confident yeah, in me yeah, than anything yeah. else. Um, I did think going in, and I actually always approach it uh, under the idea that most people don't know who I am, yep. uh, even if it's a progress crowd where majority of people do know yeah, who I am. Yeah. I always like to go under that assumption that people don't. Uh, and I think as well, it, it was to my benefit, which is um, some people going into that, like the Brian Kendricks or the Coach Rabushis, had such a high expectation yeah. that they had to live up to. Um, yeah. If I was only a minor surprise, it would have been a pleasant surprise to people, but I seem to be quite a shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, I think it played into my favour as well, to a large extent. Yeah, and um, uh, and the Cruiserweight Classic in in general went down a treat like it really for 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 me as a wrestling fan people often comment on 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 how i managed to balance a podcast and the acting stuff and music and all these other things but balancing watching a wrestling schedule is far more impressive now with, <laughs> with the amount of stuff there is and it became that with raw smackdown nxt and cruiserweight uh, classic all recorded that was the first one on my list the first one on my list to watch was the cruiserweight mm. classic so it had that excitement did you all kind of f- feel that when you were there that it's like uh, because it was on the network it could have been another small show or another extra thing but it had that real buzz and excitement about that so was that felt in the moment at the when we first arrived in uh, florida to yeah. do it i don't think it sort of hit us yeah. um it was Probably once I started getting a feel for what was going on when we were doing the interviews. Yeah, sure. Because it wasn't a typical wrestling sit down and be verbose and over the top. Yeah. It was it was much more like a UFC talking head style thing. Yeah. So I, I got the feeling okay that and they were saying well we're leaning more into sports. There's going to be handshakes before and after the matches, guys. That's going to if, gonna, if you don't want to do the handshake yeah. with all of that, the handshakes, the announcing, the reading off of cards and things like that, we'll, all had that real sport feel so yeah that makes sense and then when we went I think it hit us when we went to the arena and we realised oh there's a look to this show as well we're not just going into a WWE ring there was even uh, and the Cruiserweights just debuted on Raw when the Cruiserweights came out the colour scheme of Raw changed for us as well we're all purple and silver yeah it was great Um, and it was a a hell of an introductory match for the Raw crowd The, Mm -hmm. the four guys chosen to kind of open things up there just put on yeah, an amazing show. And something that, that J- J- Jim Smallman always says with progress, that I believe it was Regal that taught him, was that a circus can't just have trapeze artists. You need the strong man, you need the variation. And Cruiserweight Classic seemed to illustrate that as well. It wasn't going to be a competition of who can do the biggest flips. It was, it was about everyone's variation. But without going into any of the booking or, 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 or putting together of a, of a match or anything I, I like that. A trend I seem, I, I, I seem to see was a lot of times when someone was eliminated, they were the one that people were saying, they look the best, mm. they shouldn't have been eliminated. And my logic there was, well, say in, um, in an MMA t- t- tournament situation, you can't, you need to find the balance of putting everything in. You, if you win your first fight, but you've put everything in and you're, you're, you've got nothing left, then you're out soon. Mm-hmm. So the logic for me was like a, an example of, of watching 
at your first match in the Cruiserweight Classic, hugely exciting, and I'm sitting there thinking, but he didn't do this move that I love, and he didn't do this move that I love. Is there an element of that? Of right, if you, if you're, if you're, if you, if you're, if you're, if you're are looking to progress, you need to hold off some of your spots and some of your highlight moments mm. for for furthering the contest, hopefully. I, I think, um, if I can sound incredibly pretentious about an absurd industry, uh, the narrative of the situation will dictate what I'll do. Yeah, um, that's great. And I think, even though I, w- I was eliminated quite early, I think I haven't shown about 80% of my routine yeah, yeah. Uh, yet, which I'm quite looking forward to, because yeah. I've got a lot of tricks in the bag. Um, for me, personally, when I was approaching it, it was just about um, who am I wrestling, um, how do I fit against their style, what makes the most sense to me. Yeah. And it was just, I haven't used a lot of things, because it just didn't make sense to me, personally, to, to go... Well, I need to, I need to get this this and this in because it's almost like um, it's almost like I, I guess a, a scene in a film where the director's insisting a certain scene has yeah. to be in the film, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, oh, it slows the film down and it, it doesn't really work with the rest of what you've done with the character. Oh no, but I really like this ice, idea of a scene. Yeah, it's like no, you just need to you need to self edit quite well. Yeah, it yeah. was just that the the narrative of the situation didn't demand that I do half the things I can do. It's great, and I think um, again the fact that. Because NXT um, has started to bring in more and more kind of veterans of the game, but part of it also is is a training ground, is a bringing up of new people and and, and people who've come from other sports and things like that. And I think that's one of the things that made the Cruiserweight Classic stand out was most of the people in it have been have been wrestling a long while and didn't have that mentality of, well, I need to get my spots in and that's it. it everyone kind of had that respect, mm. which was interesting to see because the fact is I can't think of another time in, in, in WWE there may have been but it was a full show but it wasn't uh, you're now signed to the WWE not all of those 32 get extended you know long term contracts so I felt it showed great respect of, of the business that everyone seemed to have that approach not that kind of well I need to show them how great I am to get a contract going no we need to show them how great the cruiserweights are as much mm-hmm. as anything. And was that kind of a... Did it feel like that in the dressing room, I guess? It, it still feels like that yeah. um, right now. At, at the um, roar that has just passed in yeah. Memphis, as we record this, the obviously the first cruiserweight match has happened, there yeah. was backstage, along with the four guys that were in the ring, of Brian Kendrick, uh, Cedric Alexander, Grand Metallic, and Rich Swan. There was yeah. also myself, Lindsay Dorado, TJ Perkins, and Noam Dar all stood backstage. Amazing. And we were all thinking, we all said to each other, I'm, I'm as nervous for this yeah. match as it would yeah. be for me wrestling. It, it feels like there is, I think there's going to be obviously a competitive edge to an extent between us, yeah. naturally, but it still feels a bit like we're a team unto ourselves that yeah. it feels a bit like oh they could they could kick us out at any moment they've yeah. realized we've broken yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah so stick together guys i mean that's a good feeling to have to keep you on on top of your game though mm-hmm. sh- surely and the beauty here is um because that's a similar thing a similar vibe that you got when nxt started to, to blow up and when the first nxt people started to come over um it was that kind of right if you take um Charlotte and Sasha as examples, we're furious rivals, but in our furious rivalry, we want to prove how good we all are. We all are as a group, and we all are, and we can come in and steal the show. And the exciting thing about the Cruiserweight, a, a, cl- a classic crowd, is it feels like it's already started to be 
some of the guys dropped into NXT. So it feels like you're now a group that can infiltrate the main group and this mm-hmm. this other side group that that was originally the outsiders, and that now you're being the ones to come in and be. No, we're the we're now the outsiders. Is it this? Yeah, it's, it's this weird, ever gr- growing, evolving relationship, I guess. Of yeah, it's a strange, strange nebulous of, of people that are all interacting to one another. And it, to be fair as well, and to be frank, everyone has been very friendly in, in yeah. every situation. But that's great. The, the, there is a, I guess, because it's all so new to us as well. Yeah, there is a, a sort of banding together band of brothers okay guys we and i think as well the thing that came across quite well in the cruiser classic was we were all just so happy to be there yeah for for a lot of the guys me speaking as me personally being a guy who's around five eight and has never been close to 200 pounds unless i've got a rucksack on me yeah yeah yeah. um i didn't think the wwe was a viable option for myself yeah um so the the idea that we were there was just a joy and i i think that the idea was still there and we're together with a crew of really good wrestlers who we've all started together in this company is is fantastic because you've always got someone who's kind of got your back at the same time yeah and it's 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 it the potential is 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 hugely exciting because if anything i know it's a shorter period but the cruiserweight classic got off the ground so quickly Mm -hmm. and got a following so quickly and you see what nxt has done in the finn balor kevin owens sasha banks and charlotte their names at the top of the of, of of the main roster now so yeah, it shows that excitement and that potential of what having that 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 excitement and and excitement to just get out there and, and wrestle seems to be something that pays off now. Whereas maybe ten years ago or fifteen years ago, you can have all the excitement in the world, but if you're not a big old dude, then you're always going to be kind of a sideshow at best. Mm-hmm. So it, it must be exciting. But what was that? What was that first day like? Turning up at, at the WWE, like having spent a long time in independence and been in dressing rooms all around the world, mm-hmm. how was it to be in that locker room at that moment? It was uh, it was very strange, obviously at first. I, I think the first day it still hadn't properly hit us because we're in the performance center and we're meeting some of the WWE um, staff and whatnot, but. Um, it wasn't until we'd gone to the arena for the first time that it, yeah. it really struck me. So the first day it was okay, and I knew um, five or six of the guys just from from travelling around, like yeah. Jason Lee from Hong Kong. Yeah. Had uh, we uh, lived together in Ch- um, Japan? Excuse me for a few months. Yeah. So I knew him. I met Koshibushi previously, and I thought it was quite funny because he remembered me. I only met him a handful of times, and he remembered me. And he was like, "Oh, you're you're from Zero One, aren't you?" Oh, I said, oh. and I turned to know I'm done. I said, "Ah, oh, it's really cool." He remembers. No, I'm said, "You're probably the only redheaded person he's ever met." Too far. <laughs> I was like, oh, take this away from me, why don't you? That's uh, a great point. Red-headed, incredibly pale, glowing, you know, it, 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 <laughs> I guess it would have stood out. But again, it, it's good to have these... It does these, help. These USPs, it, mm-hmm. it, it stands out. Um, so as well as, as obviously <laughs> knowing the British guys and, you know, meeting some of the European guys and there was, oh, friend of friends, it, it, we all sort of knew each other vicariously through other people. There's yeah. only perhaps one or two people who are complete unknowns to me, like Tajiri, for example. I yeah. never met Tajiri. Yeah. Um, no, it was just a real moment but it was a case of okay put your head down don't talk don't spoke unless spoken to and try not to annoy anyone on the first day yeah just try and make a good impression um so i mean i'm gonna hold off discussion of what's ahead until the end of the podcast because again that's very exciting and i want to tease people and lead them in but let's kind of rewind 
all the way back. Um, uh, uh, growing up, were you at, like at school? Were you athletic? Were you a sporty type? Because again, you in America, a lot of the wrestlers will be found. I mean, th- there'll be WWE scouts at the Olympics. There'll be WWE scouts at the big wrestling events, at the big um, f- football events, and things like that. So they tend to very much, or again, traditionally come from that kind of area. In the UK, it's not so much that because wrestling died off so much for so long. So what was your kind of, were you always into wrestling and were you always into being in physical shape or? So I, I was, I was definitely into wrestling from quite a young age. I think I was probably about eight or nine when I'd seen my first wrestling show. Yeah. Um, which, in a surreal experience, the first episode of Raw I ever watched was Mick Foley winning his world title. Amazing. So meeting the man himself and then him going, oh, you're Jack Gallagher. Yeah, It was yeah. quite strange. It's amazing. Um, but no, in high school, I was the person that liked to play video games and read books and was not athletic in any yeah. in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, I said to Jim, if he'd have announced me at four, you know, weighing in allegedly 400 pounds in high school, it would have been more likely. <laughs> it would have been accurate. Um, yeah. It was only once I, I started training I started training to be a wrestler at the age of 15. Yeah. Um, but it was only perhaps once I got to the age of about 18, 19 that I started doing amateur and catch wrestling and eventually jiu-jitsu and, mm-hmm. and now boxing and kickboxing. That's really what got me into sort of the shape I'm in now. Yeah. Uh, so growing up, no, I was much more of a, a book, bookworm who was obsessed with wrestling. That's great. Uh, and, oh. pe- and perhaps only between the years of, I think it was between 2000. Two and two thousand three, I sort of fell out of watching wrestling for about a year, yeah, and then got back into it and um, sort of rekindled my love more towards the beginning of two thousand four, and then yeah. became obsessed again. It's it's fascinating because it's, it's it's an interesting one because Brazilian jiu jitsu for for health and fitness and cardio and everything, it's one of the best sports out there, mm. and people who aren't um, a fan of it or knowledgeable of it often hate it in mixed martial arts where it goes to the ground and it's just guys rolling about. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't expect it to be so... to get you in such amazing physical shape. But from all the exercise I've done, as soon as I got on the mats and spent 10, 10, 15 minutes actually going hard, Mm -hmm. it's the only time I've had genuinely (laughs) shaking arms. Like, um, you can't see on the podcast, obviously, but literally my arms at my side and feeling them wobbling. And it's like... I've never had that. I've never gassed my arms so much that I can't. I can't use them. So, w- w- where did you go to kind of? Because again, you're saying you started training in professional wrestling, and then later on into catch wrestling and and and, and BJJ and things like that. Uh, uh, where does a young a young northern lad uh, uh, go to find these kind of things? So when I started in catch wrestling, I went to the uh, Asport Olympic Wrestling Club in Wigan, mm-hmm. uh, which is now known as the the new Snake Pit. Right. Um, so uh, the person who coaches there, Roy Wood, was the last person to be coached by Billy Riley. Yeah. And, and for the people listening who aren't as familiar, the Wigan Snake Pit is kind of the legendary gym yeah. in in British wrestling and produced some of the best catch wrestlers of perhaps of all time, but definitely of, of European talent. Yeah. And uh, Roy was one of the last people to be trained by the original coach, Billy Riley. The old gym fell down because it wow. was essentially a shack. Yeah. And uh, Roy set up a new gym in Aspel. And through uh, friends I had in pro wrestling, 
I was sort of referred to him and it was the simplest turning up in training. Yeah. And then after that, I had other friends who would had already competed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and they had told me about a gym called Fighting Fit in Manchester, mm -hmm. uh, which I still train at now for MMA. And they uh, they had said, oh, you should pop down because traveling to Wigan, I would go Monday, Wednesday, sometimes Fridays. And they said, well, you could, you could do jiu-jitsu during the weeks, during the days you're not there at the week. Yeah. And some mornings, I would go to jiu-jitsu in the morning sometimes on Monday and Wednesday yeah. and then go to Wigan in the evenings yeah. uh, and fit university times in between that. Amazing. So it's, it's, it's weird because it appears that from years and years of having no interest in anything particularly physical or fitness-based, there suddenly became an absolute thirst and, and desire. Did that come from starting in professional wrestling? Kind of because again, there is there's variations. You don't have to be in great physical sh shape, but the array of styles and options available to you change greatly depending on your body shape and, and, and body size. So, was that something that influenced it at all? It was. I've always sort of loved traditional martial arts. Like yeah. I grew up loving Jackie Chan and Bruce yeah. Lee films. Yeah. Um, and I I did Taekwondo all through high school as well. Right. But there was never that sort of physical demand to be in excellent shape. And it definitely was pro wrestling because I I always sort of aspired to be like one of the the scientific or technical wrestlers that right. I was watching. And going to to Wigan uh, at the time I it just I didn't think okay I'll go here and this will get me in amazing shape yeah. I just thought I'll, I'll learn as best I can and it you know from doing it for so long I just got in amazing you couldn't help but get in very good shape from yeah. being there yeah yeah um, and then once I once I was in that physical shape it was kind of like I enjoyed it and I became obsessed about I have a very obsessive personality yeah. so I became yeah. obsessed about manipulating how I trained to get what I needed out of my body and whatnot. And and that definitely stemmed from pro wrestling because otherwise I, I had no interest in it as a, in a younger age. Again, I mean, I, I, mean, I want to talk about uh, uh, what you studied at university, but I think the reason Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed martial arts and a lot of these things, the type of person you will see as a fighter now, again, a lot of people who aren't into it will think it's all these meatheads, and there was a point where it was... Mm -hmm. Most of the high-level fighters now, you can have a very intelligent and high-level conversation with because of exactly that. The fact is, it's now a scientific thing, and physical fitness is a scientific thing. You, you can figure out and learn the best way to do this. It's not just a case of, and it can be this, but it's not just a case of f flip that tyre and, 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 and throw that over a wall and things like that. And those things are good because it's functional fitness but there's there's science behind all of them and science behind your diet and your approach and how often you're resting and what muscles you're working at which point and stuff like that so it, it must have been something as soon as you, you got your teeth into it you can go damn i could nerd out on this mm -hmm. i can really study and, and mm -hmm. figure out what yeah is most beneficial that was that was definitely how it how it worked uh, and it, i had the same experience when i first tried to learn some boxing uh, yeah. when i was doing the mma fights i hated boxing for a long time because yeah. yeah. to me it just looked like two guys coming together throwing punches and walking away yeah. and you know rinse and repeat but then when i realized the the science behind the approach and yeah. the thought process yeah. it was a case of Oh, and, and now I have a back catalogue of a hundred years of boxing matches yeah. I can go back and watch yeah, and reference and reference and look at and understand and you know uh, become obsessive over and whatnot. Yeah, it, it's very much that you find. Uh, you definitely do still find some meatheads who have somehow 
intrinsically put the. I think I think it was like Harvard who. who there's seven types of knowledge and kinesthetic knowledge, the ability to manipulate your body is yeah. one of them. Yeah. And I, the, I think there are still people who unknowingly are geniuses in kinesthetic yeah. knowledge, but there are a lot of people who have obviously taken a lot of time and thought who are just figuring it out as they go along and sort of manipulating themselves, yeah. you know. And I, 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 I genuinely think it's something that you need, unless you stumble upon it, that you need a higher level of awareness mm. on because I don't think that you could sit here now and tell every listener what the best way to get their body in the perfect shape for, for them is because I think it is something that's it's not a, a one way thing. You 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 have to to listen to what works for your body and see what reacts well with your body, and it be a gradual a back and forth rather than just because if it wasn't, then there'd be a one book that sells millions and millions of copies because like this is how to get in the best shape ever, mm-hmm. and everyone would have that. But it is a something that you have to be having awareness of mm-hmm. and is it something you feel you've you've won that battle now or is it still a continuing kind of you're still going ah i've been doing this for years and it turns out maybe this would work better it's it's still a a daily monthly process yearly process of oh i could try this now instead because as you said there's not a, a one size fits all for anyone yeah. and it becomes down to well what do i need out of my body at this time do I just need to be in do I need to be healthy and that that could come down to diet and very very minimal exercise yeah. do I need to be strong well if you need to be strong technically your diet doesn't need to be like great you just need yeah. to have calorie surplus yeah, sure. um, so for me it's a case of okay what do I need out of my body at this point in time and for the most when I stopped worrying about aesthetic yeah. um, improvement I found my body looked better I was going to say it's killer that you've stopped thinking about aesthetic because you, yeah. you're one of the most put together dudes <laughs> that are out there. As I think Jim summed it up perfectly: of the only person who doesn't need to get a tan to show off their abs, <laughs> <laughs> even even with very pale skin. It's like, yeah, it all sits there. But again, I guess that's that's the thing. If if, if you're focusing on genuine all round fitness, mm-hmm. it starts to look after itself, right? Uh, yeah, I think as well. Um... Uh, I, I like I, I like listening to a lot of different people in terms of their sort of workout philosophies, and obviously like um, Ido Portal, who, yeah. who's kind of obviously quite big in the MMA world yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, I think he he said something which is quite interesting, uh, and he does have one or two good ones, which was the the human we we saw a functional human body, which was from these Grecian statues of guys with with abs. They had a look, you know, they were big shouldered, broad backed, mm-hmm. and what we did was rather than try and uh, make a functional body, we reverse engineered how to make the body look like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I found that rather than trying to do the reverse engineering and doing you know so many reps like a bodybuilder yeah. would, I just thought, okay, what do I need to get? I need to be strong, I need to be mobile, and I need to have a certain amount of cardiovascular yeah. um, capacity. And by focusing mainly on that, my body looked functional. Yeah. As, as well as, obviously, I'm, I'm not super strict with my diet, but I was very, very strict at one point as yeah, well yeah. Um, to get to a certain stage. And that was just it. I stopped trying to reverse engineer it and just thought, okay, what's the function I need out of this? Think yeah. of it as a tool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Why is that that body type appealing? Mm-hmm. Because it was functional in this way and this mm-hmm. way. So let's 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 go for those functions. Um, it's interesting there because you mentioned Edo Portal, and again, I think a problem, particularly in the fitness world, but equally in MMA, is that people really want to discredit someone else or have mm-hmm. a go at someone. And I think people like Edo. Um, has some amazing stuff. He also has some stuff that I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. It's like you should be 
cherry picking rather than than trying to look for a messiah who's mm-hmm. got all these answers. You'd be going right. I like what he's saying there, and e- equally, if he's got something that he's doing that is that you feel is ridiculous, it doesn't mean all the other things he's doing mm-hmm. are ridiculous. You I, know, so it's finding that balance. I think as well, it's a, a case of some people don't like to challenge their comfort zone. Yeah, as well. So if someone does say something that on first reflection is ridiculous, yeah, you should at least. Okay, how has this person got to this point in in their conclusion? Yeah, yeah. Is there any validity to it? And if there isn't, fair enough. Then dismiss it. But I think a lot of people see or hear a practice and go, "Well, that's ridiculous." Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I, one of my brother's pet peeves, and it's because a mate of ours use it all the time. But is referring to anything as common sense. Oh, I don't yeah. want you to use common sense in excuse. I want you to show me why. Mm-hmm. Saying common sense feels like saying. Well, that's not worth explaining. And I always want to say, well, it might not be, but just explain it quickly. Because it's often, as said, exactly that. It's wanting to dismiss something. And it's fine to dismiss something as long as you can justify why you're dismissing that. Whereas, yeah, it's getting that balance. Um, Before we move on to building a name for yourself on the indies, what did you... study at university i uh, studied philosophy amazing that the, the cla- that must have been rammed with wrestlers oh uh, yeah. we, we we had <laughs> to turn some away it was terrible <laughs> so yeah w- uh, what kind of dr- drove you towards a, ph- a philosophy um i had um i had no idea what i wanted to study in university mm-hmm. and i was doing uh, linguistics in college yeah and i handed in an essay and my teacher said you know what this is a terrible linguistics essay but it's a fantastic philosophy essay right wow. have you considered looking into that in the future and looking into the subject a little bit i thought okay this does really interest me because it was very broad um in the first few years and then we got to generalize uh, sorry we got to specialize in the last few years which i yeah. thought was quite fun uh, and there's a certain uh, at the end of it, I became very sort of obsessed with the philosophy of art and aesthetics, yeah. uh, which was which was a big thing in that. So I thought, okay, it was a case of I was mainly going to university, not thinking, okay, this will lead eventually to a job. It was I'll have a degree mm-hmm. which will make my parents proud for one, yeah. and the second thing was if this wrestling thing falls through, at least I have a degree in yeah. something yeah. that I can point to, uh, and that was really the amount of thought I put into it, and then just dove head first. I think it's a a great one though because it, uh, again it's we put a lot of, of 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 pressure on education being purely for business or career and it shouldn't always be there's some things you should do just to improve yourself as a person and as a human and philosophy i think is a great one my on 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 the your parents being proud and my brother studied philosophy and um he got his degree and he got um, a 2-1. But he would have got a first, but he lived in a, co- a, a cottage and he finished his final essay and it was snowing on the day it had to be in, on the, on the deadline. And he decided that handing it in isn't going to change what he's learnt from it at all, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's like, the, the, the writing of it and the going through it and the, the, the learning this, the process is done. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, he's like, for, for all real purposes... I finished now. Hmm. So he didn't hand it in, and therefore, instead of getting a first, he got a 2 1. But if that's not the most philosophical reason to get a 2 1 rather than a first, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Because again, his argument was the only difference, like, it, it's not like I've not d- done it. Mm-hmm. The physical, the only difference is where that bit of paper is at this point. Mm-hmm. And if, again, depending on the type of philosophy you're studying and learning, 
that doesn't make a big difference if someone tells you, oh, you, you're one better than that person. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. So did study in f- f- philosophy, although chosen as a kind of, you'd kind of had it thrust upon you a bit, mm-hmm. did you feel it, 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 it changed your outlook in, in a lot of things? And it's, it's going to sound odd to say that it influenced your, your wrestling, but I think a subject like philosophy will open you up to think in a certain way and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be taking specific philosophical quotes into wrestling but you might bring an openness into wrestling that you wouldn't have had or an approach that you wouldn't have had previously so so, so do you feel those two are married in any way or am I mental? (laughs) (laughs) They're not mutually exclusive are they? Um, um, I I, I really do I was going to actually say it did influence my wrestling in an interesting way and that was being in university taught me how to study and get good at things. Yeah, uh, and I uh, just the 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 skill of, of um, because you know up until that point, even for my first year of uni, it was oh god, this essay's got to be in tomorrow. Quickly, let's let's write it out as quick as we can. Whereas in the second and third years, I learned how I prefer to study, how I prefer to take notes, um, how how I can best, or, or at least it, to my best of my ability, I can accrue knowledge and mm-hmm. skill. Yeah. And taking that into wrestling and using the sort of self-analytical and, and critical tools from yeah. that, that was one side of it. And the other side, other side of it is the um, something I mentioned before, which is the philosophy of art and aesthetics. Yeah, um, which is something I became very. That was what my uh, dissertation was about: was right. the, the history of of the aesthetic of aesthetics in, yeah. in Western civilization. Yeah, and that leaked over into my wrestling as well because I, I started think of it, thinking of it in a slightly different context and yeah. looking at okay, what's the end result here? What what am I trying to achieve with what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it very, very much influenced me. And of course, like I always, I always try and when I look at characters in wrestling, at personalities in wrestling, I always try and think sort of like, okay, what books would this person read, or yeah, yeah. who you know, if we had to label them as a in a philosophical way, what what would this person probably fit under, and yeah. what's the most logical thing? So it it did it very much influenced my life because. Um, philosophy, like the actual Greek translation from it, is just the love of knowledge. Yeah, that's yeah. all it means. Yeah, uh, and I thought, okay, it was a very, it was a very, very good subject for me. I think it, I'm very, very happy I took it. That's great. I, I mean, I'm instantly though imagining your parents at some kind of function or dinner party, and again, it's so good that it's gone as <laughs> in an insane way. But I can imagine the kind of awkwardness of of what did you sound like oh he's he's a wrestler mm. and the fear of all right well so what's has he got a back oh he's he's got a degree oh what's that in in philosophy oh all right well there's no there's no backup <laughs> here there's no there's no backup <laughs> career plan but again i often think that and this is a bad thing to tell people who are listening but there's a quote of if you've if you've got something to fall back on then you're going to fall back mm-hmm. um it's the reason when i decided to get serious with music I quit the job I'd had for five years so that music was my f- full-time job because I'm like, right, the fact is at the moment I don't have to succeed. There's restrictions in succeeding b- because I've got to go to work, but I also don't have to because I can put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Whereas as soon as th- that was uh, removed, it wasn't an option. This was that I needed to make this work. So do you feel there was a, a, a level of that in your wrestling as you started to enter into... I'd imagine as you were entering, a, a, a starting to grow... A UK scene because mm-hmm. again it's 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 got bigger and bigger in the last few years, but it was starting to bubble over. I'd imagine like mm-hmm. when you 
kick things off? Well, up until that point, I always say I was wrestling part-time up until university yeah. because I was still... Uh, I was li- I, I didn't you know drink or party or do anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I when it came to student university loans, I had a lot left over. Yeah. So I could live off that for some time. It's perfect. Um, but about a year, probably less than a year after finishing university, I'd made the plan of like I'm going to go live in Japan and wrestle in Japan. Amazing. Um, and I I thought I thought to myself, well, this is the best time to do it because I, I'm not set up with a full time job. Mm-hmm. Right now in England, that I have to think about. Oh, do I need to quit it? Yeah. I didn't have a a, a spouse at the time either. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend or anything. So I thought, okay, I'll just it's I'll go over there to take to take that risk. Right, perfect time. So I thought I'll, I'll go over and really since finishing university and going to Japan, coming back from Japan, I've basically been living full time off professional wrestling. Mm. Now, whilst that might have been a pretty meager living for quite yeah, some time. Yeah. Um, it got me by, and it, I, it really makes me appreciate where I've, where I've got to now. Yeah. Um, because the you know there have been points in time when I was thinking to myself like I don't know if I can afford the bus into town today. Yeah. I might have to walk yeah. so I can afford food later today. Yeah. Yeah. And you know now being able to have fun and treat my friends who have you know made me you know let me sleep on their couch in their flat yeah in you know in the worst section of manchester yeah. probably under a drug dealer we're pretty sure yeah 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 um and now being in a you know a, a nice environment and just being able yeah. to actually supply for myself is is fantastic it's, it's great though because the, the the dedication to 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 push through that 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 hardship as such meant that you could give that full time to studying the art to improve in it and again it's it's something i worry about with where music has gone so free or or so hard for bands to earn a a living for music is Mm -hmm. most bands are going to be having to do it for at least a long time at the start as a part-time thing Mm -hmm. and that's fine but it means we're going to miss a lot of of genius Mm -hmm. and and in in a a, a similar way what you're lauded for now is the minute details and the and the technicalities. I'm sure that wouldn't be at the same level as it is now if you hadn't been able to do this this full time and mm-hmm. be studying it and be going right. This is really let's get really deep into this and figure out these mm-hmm. these specifics. Uh, the, I think there's definitely that. I, I think as well. I don't know many successful people that just didn't take the risk on themselves as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I do think that that's an interesting point to the music industry how. That you're going to have to do it part time for four years, but that's almost like it almost becomes your apprenticeship then at a certain yeah. point, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I'd like to believe that we 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 don't get to lose any genius because genius will just eventually It'll find its way filter yeah. through. And and actually, a, a funny symmetry of life is like only a handful of people know this. Yeah. So this will be an interesting one. <laughs> is uh, I thought myself, I knew this cruiserweight thing was coming up. So I thought to myself at the beginning of this year, it was ten years of in wrestling now, yeah. um, and you know now and at the end of this year I'll be close. To, I'll be close to thirty now than I am close to twenty. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, I'll do the WWE. And at my point, I figured I'll do this. I'll I'll get my name exposed out there, and I can either do the American independence after this, mm-hmm. or I can maybe go back to Japan. Yeah. And if neither of those two options opened up, I was done. Right. Wow. I was genuinely thinking. If like I've been doing this for ten years and I'm still basically a nobody in wrestling, yeah. um, obviously I had a f- I had a following in England, but the, you know the world's a few billion people. Of course, yeah. So 
um, there was that case of this is the last big risk I'm going to take. Wow. And after that point, I was going to hold my hands up and go, okay, maybe I'll go to do MMA or maybe I'll go yeah. teach jiu-jitsu or something. And yeah. that was it. That was actually going to be it for me wow. this year. that's amazing. So, so it's even more astounding the way things have worked out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so, so what was it like in that initial trip in, into Japan and going, right, I'm going to go over mm-hmm. here and... and, and and try this out um for for those who don't know japan particularly for the 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 hardcore wrestling fans has been a mecca for wrestling for a long time with new japan and 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 with loads of other great promotion with all japan over there in many ways despite how you might look at it as the wwe and then there's TNA or whatever else. In many ways, it's the WWE, and then there's New Japan, mm-hmm. and then you know there's these these ones over there where you can become that star. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 when I had Will Ospreay on the podcast, we were discussing how he the weekend before the podcast he'd wrestled in front of I think it was twenty or thirty thousand people in mm-hmm. Japan, and the Monday after the podcast he was back on a building site mm-hmm. um, in Essex. So again, that's kind of what Japan is. So mm. how did that? a work again you're kind of you're going over there very much as an unknown mm-hmm. i mean you say until the beginning of this year you were an unknown you were a proper unknown then you know <laughs> very much an unknown entity so so how was that how were you welcomed and, and how did you make it work um i, w- I was uh, initially invited to go to zero one so uh zero one wrestling in japan so yeah. it wasn't just a, a case of turn up and find the work yeah. when i was there um, I was flown out and I stayed with Zero One for about 10 months. Mm-hmm. So it's probably from about February to around, I think it was around November. I yeah. Yes, I, I, so I went to Japan and then it was a case of turn up, do the training, and really they, they got a gauge of you in, in the training. Yeah. They, very, uh, I'm not sure if you were, but it's like legendarily supposed to be the worst physical conditioning in the world in terms of they'll just make you do thousands of squats and hundreds right. of push-ups. Right. Uh, and I went there expecting that. So before I even went, I could do i was doing like 1200 push up 1200 uh, squats a day yeah. like 500 push ups and whatnot Amazing. thinking okay all right i'm 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 ready I'm re- if i'm not ready now i'll never be ready yeah. and I, I turned up and did the training and we would train 3 hours a day 6 days a week and if we were wrestling a show we would wrestle the show and you have the day off after that but apart from that it was sundays with the days off yeah wow so uh, it was it was good at first because i turned up and they uh, they appreciated the fact that i could uh, keep up with all the conditioning and it wasn't really wearing me down. Yeah. He said to me afterwards, after a few months, like, you're probably the guy who's turned up with the best physical conditioning that we've ever had. That's great. Uh, which was obviously like a little pass on my yeah, back. Yeah, quite happy yeah, yeah. Um, but I think they, uh, for one, I think they were pleasantly surprised when they saw me in front of an audience for the first time because yeah. they understood how I wrestle. It's that thing of once you put me out there, you go, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing was that the they liked to have uh, submission shoot fights quite a bit right. in the gym and I would submit all of the Japanese young boys there who apparently had never been submit before I got there amazing um, so when the, and me being at least 20, 30 pounds lighter than them as well yeah. made them go oh, okay so there's there's something here we can use yeah there, yeah. there was a lot of, and as well coming from the, the Wigan Snake Pit which they still see as quite a, yeah, a of mecca of wrestling for them um, I just had a lot of... It, it wasn't I turned up and 
put my CV on the table. I turned up and slowly the information of, oh, you've done catch wrestling. Oh, you can, you can shoot vet wrestle quite well. Oh, you, you can get, you can establish yourself with the crowd. Yeah. And they were the first people that I'd, I'd had the nickname before, but they were the first people that announced me on wrestling shows as the English gentleman. Amazing. Because they saw me and I turned up in, you know, my blazers and stuff like yeah. that. And, and they were like, oh, you're an English gentleman. And I never actually considered that as my wrestling character. So they started announcing me as that. I love that. I love that that's everyone will assume that that's a wrestling character that you put on. I love that that was just how you would turn up and that's yeah. how, you, that, 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 how you were. This wasn't a trick. And again, as, 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 as Jim did, I can reveal that you're the best addressed <laughs> podcast guest I've had. You've, you've taken off your jacket, but you know, you, you know, you're still tie a, a waistcoat shirt, all good to go. So, yeah. So how was it then after Tran, how was it when the kind of the wrestling scene exploded in the UK again mm. um, and progress I know I'm biased Jim's got a show on the network but progress was a big part of that and mm. it got it built a name it has built a name in Japan in America kind of all over the world so so how was it to come back to, to, to the UK and have plenty of places to wrestle and to be mm. able to make a living at that point mm. I guess from from UK wrestling um, it, when I first came back yeah, it was I naturally of course was riding the wave of Jack's been in Japan for a year yeah so that became the new thing for me Jack's a, a Japanese guy that's great yeah. um, it, it was actually it was very interesting because when I, I I I'd heard about progress and some of my friends had wrestled at progress and all they could and um, you know there's one or two other promotions up and down uh, the UK like ICW is another one yeah uh, that I've worked semi-regularly for and, and between those two um, all people could say was, oh, it's just cool. Yeah. You know, and wrestling hadn't really been cool for some time. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I was very, very, um, I was very, very enthused to go wrestle for progress the first yeah. time. And, and I'm sure Jim and John will back me up. I was bothering them every couple months being like, I don't, right. you know, I'm, I'm still here, by the way, if, yeah. you'd, if you'd like to use me. And, and, it, and it was a case of, we do want to use you, but we, we've got such a full roster and, a, and we know what we're doing for so long. Yeah. We will use you at the first opportunity we have. Yeah. Uh, so they used me in the first Super Strong Style 16, which obviously was an eye-opener, because you, you can hear about an event, but then you go to an event and you go, oh, this is this, this is, is very a, cool, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is th- interesting with Progress and ICW, that mm-hmm. it is, it's, 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 it's that thing, it's a hard one to put across until you're there, and mm-hmm. you're just like, right, this just works. No one's here, ironically. No. Everyone, there's, it's, they're all adults, it's not like it's it's, it's a grown up mm-hmm. day out or night out, and it is. It's just got that that coolness about it. So, so yeah, arriving at a super strong style. And uh, what I found was being at ICW, they lean much more towards characters. Yeah. Uh, whereas Progress lent much more towards wrestling, and that's not to say there isn't wrestlers in ICW and there's not characters in Progress. Course, yeah. It's just that was the natural slant, and particularly at that point, I was. So I, I always think about where I am in, in my wrestling in, in terms of like this is you know this is the routine I'm doing at the time and I'll, I'll name the routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point in time, I was coming to the tail end of what I was calling the grappler sort of phase of me, yeah. where I was playing trunks, playing boots. Um, I think I had a, a terrible beard that wasn't really quite growing through yeah. properly, but and I was thinking of shaving it for the mustache at that yeah. point um, because I like Dom Fry. Yeah, yeah, um, legend. So uh, and. Um, 
I, I had arrived just at the tail end of doing that, uh, and it was it was incredibly fun. I got to wrestle Mark Haskins in my first match. It was fantastic. Who, yeah. And people, we did, uh, and Mark has some jiu-jitsu experience as well, so yeah. me and him just straight wrestled for about a minute, it yeah. felt like. Yeah. And then when we separated, the crowd gave us almost a standing ovation. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is going to go it's well. It's great. I loved it. I told Jim on, on the first match I watched on, on Progress On Demand of, of, of Haskins... Um, one of my pet peeves in wrestling in WWE um, in particular is a lot of the submissions that they put on mm-hmm. clearly aren't on and mm-hmm. it, it, it's that kind of that, that slight annoyance it's not tight enough and Haskins put a triangle on someone mm-hmm. and I sat there and I went that's not, he's not tight in that and then he tightened it and I was like <laughs> and, and he didn't he tightened it by grabbing the shin rather than the foot so mm-hmm. again he tightened it all in the right way and it was like all right, I like this. This is good. This is good. This is there's there's the fundamentals of being fully respected there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little details. But they they caught me right at the end of me doing the grapple phase. Yeah. and I thought I was thinking to myself at the time, um, I really needed to mix it up. For me, as as a pretentious artist, yeah. I needed to mix it up. <laughs> um, so I, I was uh, I was thinking of of doing a. I was in my head. It's still called just the showman. Yeah. So I'd, I'd gone to such an extreme of being plain drunk. Plunk, uh, there we go. Plain black trunks and boots, yeah. and then I thought, okay, I'll take it to the other extreme and see how far I could go. Yeah. And I remember first telling John and Jim what I was going to do. Of I'm now going to come out in leopard print trunks. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be essentially something someone from the circus. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gr- very much a, str- a traditional strongman. Look, yeah. Kind it of. looked like a strongman. I had the mustache at the time, and uh, I had an undercut at first, but now I've got the side parting. Yeah. Uh, and I said to them like, "This is probably what I'm going to do from now on." And I remember them just saying. Well, we'll go with it, but this is very strange. This isn't exactly what we hired you for originally. Yeah. And I thought, just trust me, I think this will work. Yeah. And then, obviously, that took off to a great extent yeah. in progress. That's great, because I can completely imagine them, them seeing a Black Trunks hard grappler and going, mm-hmm. yeah, that fits with progress, and not necessarily seeing uh, a, a showman type and go, that fits with progress. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you already kind of had the foot in the door and then they had... Or you both had the faith in each other to go. All right, well let's let's go with it. And it, yeah, yeah, it worked very well. And it, it seemed to have. Got, and it's it's evolved into now. Obviously, being it's still in my head. It's still the same routine, but it's now the extraordinary gentleman. Obviously, yeah, yeah. sort of character is what it's done. But it is that progress is a is a place where Mark Haskins is in one match and Jack Sexsmith is in another match. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's a very very fun experience. Yeah, uh, being there and just having the freedom to do that and know I can I'm allowed to to go out and essentially just be myself yeah I love it Um, we're getting close to the hour mark so I'll start to wrap things up but there's a few more things I want to discuss and one is innovation Mm. and how much focus do you put on on innovation and finding interesting and original and and unique things to do and I I hope it's okay to to give it away but the first time I saw you tie up Zach Gibson in in a particular technique where you kind of tie legs and arms and roll over so he's basically curled up in a ball and can't f- free himself the winds are not the, the winds are not again <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful and the first time I saw that I was literally just me and my mate Chris just going I've never seen anything like that and you could have left him there like the crowd just got more and more excited the longer you didn't do anything mm. and again that's probably v- v- very popular with for a wrestler and for their opponent if you can have 
a high spot in a match mm. where neither of you are actually in any major risk. Do you know what I mean? If it's, mm. it, it's like, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Everyone's <laughs> going to go crazy and we can kind of mm. t- take a minute mm-hmm. and then return to it. So, yeah, so th- things like that, how much time do you put into that and how much focus on it, on innovation is there for you? Um, I think, so... Um I don't feel very innovative in that sense. Like the 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 knot uh, is from Ken Joyce, yep. who is an old World of Sport wrestler. He would do he would tie people up in in that way. Mm. Um, a lot of the escapes I I do are either direct cop. To be honest, it's all small modifications of things I've seen. Yeah, uh, and Again, that- it's it's great with a character like that and a style like that mm-hmm. that you can. Again, you've got a wealth of history to go back mm. and, and study stuff and go, oh, that works. That can that hasn't been used in years, and you know. Um, and it really comes down to me that um, I was I was told very early on um, in in catch wrestling. Anyway, listen, every move that needs to be done has been done. Yeah, yeah. There, there are no because at this time, I think the the DAS was like considered a new move. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people saying like, listen, every move that needs to be done has been done. It's just it goes in and out of style. Yeah. So um, there are two things that will differentiate yourself. One, finding a move that's gone out of style and bringing it back. Yeah. And the other thing is just being yourself because you'll have little nuances that you do slightly yeah. differently from other people. Sure. So for me, it was just a case of um, putting more and more of my personality into it and, and just having fun with what I'm doing uh, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a blue eye, as a good guy in wrestling. And that was all it was. It wasn't a case of... It wasn't a case of innovation. It was just a case of separation. I just wanted yeah. to make myself look different. Like everyone does a wrist lock in yeah. wrestling, or everyone does a headlock. But if I can find a way of applying the grip slightly differently, or yeah. or just a- expressing myself slightly differently, that wrist lock's now mine. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter how many wrist locks people do. Uh, and that was really it for me. So it's less about it is less about innovation in, in yeah. that sense. It's the minute details again. again. again th- that's exactly again from looking at what you were saying about becoming obsessive with things and from. The, the art aesthetic of philosophy and all that it's focusing on how you can make this thing your own and make mm. it it's it stand out um have you got a favorite kind of either a favorite match or favorite opponent that you've kind of had some good battles with mm. or good good matches with in the past anyone springs to mind immediately immediately the two people i always think of is uh mikey whiplash yeah and zach gibson yeah um me and zach it feels like someone made are wrestling characters for each other like yeah. he's a scouse thug and I'm a gentleman from Manchester yeah, yeah. so it, it, he's six foot whatever he's, he's six, six foot three he's or six four, foot ridiculous four yeah, and yeah. I'm five five foot eight yeah and yeah we feel like polar opposites but somehow we work together very yeah. well and even in front of a a London crowd which doesn't necessarily have the sort of northern rivalry that we have up here yeah um they still understand and appreciate it so um as well like zach is just so very good yeah it's very hard to have a bad yeah. match with him yeah um so there's Zach, and i mean as i've mentioned numerous times on the podcast and on choosing Agile, i still think he's currently got the most overheel promotion mm-hmm. in in wrestling at the moment when he does his his speech at progress or or where it just it's amazing it's, to be in the room for. It is. It is an experience. The crowd gets so. I can't wait to hear that at Brixton. It's, oh, it's going to be yeah. at the moment. But yeah, uh, and and Mikey Whiplash, yeah. who I who I've wrestled on and off uh, for some years now, and we're I think as well we're very rarely put in matches myself and Michael that aren't supposed to be marquee style matches. Yeah. So usually the you know the 
you know the, the chains come off and we sort of very much go for it and it is a for me and him it's a very much a case of one upsmanship amongst each other that's great um yeah uh, it's very very fun wrestling michael i love that so uh, i mean as we're recording this um the the progress big show at brixton is this coming a weekend the podcast will be coming out in mid-october so it will have already happened but mm-hmm. is that going to be your last indie show is that what's lined up as your last indie appearance uh, before it it is scheduled to be my last independent yeah. date before uh, moving over to florida yes so how kind of ex- exciting is that that's kind of a perfect it, it feels mm-hmm. like i mean progress is is what is one of the places that the extraordinary gentlemen really took off Mm -hmm. and this is their biggest show Mm. ever so is that is is does that feel like the perfect send-off i guess it it really if i i could if i was going to ask for a different send-off it would just be a one-on-one versus zach gibson yeah 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 yeah. but looking looking at who is who is in the match and obviously it being such a big show um i was very fortunate in being allowed by the wwe to finish up the the dates i had that's great yeah and um I've got Zach against me. I have El Liguero, who was in my first ever match across the ring from me. Um, Obviously, you know, um, Dave and Nathan are there. I've known them for quite a few years and get to team up with Moser. And, you know, Eddie Dennis Dennis and particularly Mark Andrews is someone of guys I've liked to think I've become quite good friends with over the last few years. Again, I've, 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 I've tweeted a few times that Every time I've been to a progress show, there's been a particular match I'm excited about or something I'm really looking forward to. And every single time I've had to tweet in some way about Mark Andrews because mm-hmm. he's just such a, an amazing performer mm-hmm. and a, sh- a show stealer. And on most of the ones I've been to, he's not been in the main event. He's been either in tag team or in a four way or whatever else. But a, 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 such a show stealer and such yeah. a performer. And such a likable person. Yeah. Me and yeah. him uh, recently progressed to do progress versus smash shows. Yes. And myself and Mark were sharing hotel rooms. Amazing. Um, which we were joking was the gentleman in the tramp. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, uh, he, he is a ridiculously lovable human being. How was that out there? Let's talk about that briefly because that was uh, a, 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 a massive thing that the that, that progress had a co pro. In, in, in Canada mm-hmm. with Smash who are one of the biggest out there how was that um, it, it, it was all kind of progress versus yes. wasn't it it was kind of against each other so it, it was uh, phenomenal out there we yeah. we well at least I, I'll speak for myself I did the same thing I'm going to assume no one knows who we are yeah. let's go and establish ourselves let's go and I, we're not just representing progress to me I thought okay we're representing Britain and Kingdom yeah. and all that yeah. um so when we went out there and particularly on the first big night in Toronto and everyone was behind us yeah. all the fans knew who we were amazing it, it was a it was a fantastic time over there and the fans were lovely to all of us uh, there was a fan who both hand drew posters of every English guy and, and Welsh for them you know Mark yeah. and, so, um, and Mexican uh, and they, they hand drew uh, posters for each one of us personalised for us and made two foot high plasticine models of us as well oh wow that's yeah, amazing in their own custom box and whatnot. and he got the my striped trunks perfect and all this so that was it was a really really enjoyable experience I'm 
It is, it is actually one of the best experiences I've ever had in wrestling, yeah. just for sheer fun. I, I maybe would have stayed one more day, and I, but I think the amount of time we stayed there was perfect. The novelty didn't wear off. Yeah. We were all loving everyone's company. It was yeah. fantastic. And then we were we were gone before before anything went on a downslide. We ended on a peak. I mean, this must be... Again, I've, we've t- touched upon all that is ahead being very exciting, but there's also a, 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 a beauty in the timing of almost a victory lap that you're getting mm. to do because shows like that and the progress big show of bricks and all that it, they do feel like a, a perfect a, a little farewell run before mm. the next part of the of the adventure it, it it does and it's um i'm trying to enjoy it in the moment and i'm trying not to get too reflective on on where i am and where yeah. i'm going and all that but it, I think I, I've managed to hold it together quite well, but I was saying to my friend the other day, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold it together at Brixton yeah. um, just because of the crowd being there and be, who's on the show. And I was going to say, because it's also the last indie show for Tommaso mm. and for Tommy, I think. Mm. You know, so there's a lot of... It's going to be an emotional... It, it would have been emotional anyway because mm. it's been a lot of build-up to this moment. But it's been put through the roof with the fact that mm-hmm. it's a send-off for, for some of the, the most b- b- beloved in the progress mm-hmm. uh, history, really. It, it has. And I, I, I feel like I want to, to just grab the microphone because sometimes because I keep getting people tweeting me or chanting, you deserve this, you deserve... Yeah. And I keep saying to them, I really don't. It's, <laughs> I don't deserve this. I don't... I was raised under the belief no one owes you anything. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't deserve this. I'm just really, really fortunate. Yeah. And that gets to me more, yeah. the fact that I am just an incredibly lucky person. Yeah. Because there are so many other people that put just as much time and effort and and craft into what we're doing, yeah. who just haven't had that opportunity yet. I think that's it, though. I think there's... there's a. A, a, a lot to be said for w- w- working your ass off to be prepared for when those opportunities come. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, again, I'll agree. Is I mean, it's my job here to say no. You're not. <laughs> you're not lucky at all. You've done it. But again, I think in everything there is an element of luck. It's the right place, the right time, things like that. But you can be in the right place at the right time and not be prepared mm-hmm. and not get the benefits of it and it not pay off and turn into anything. So the fact that there will be things that have just 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 happened to land hmm. you were there to to, to make the most of that. and as we started the podcast with the cruiserweight classic was a prime example of that that happened to be something that they've done for the first time and it happens to be when you're kind of at your at your peak at the moment and all this so it's perfect timing but it meant that you could come in and go right i'm not here to make up any numbers mm-hmm. respectfully i'm not here to make up any numbers i'm here to i'm 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 i'm, I'm here to get noticed and yeah and make a name. Um, so, what is ahead? Um, oh, actually, before so this will be out the, the second or third week of October. Um, as we're talking about the progress show coming out, obviously you've all missed it. You missed it. You didn't get tickets. It was a sold out Brixton Academy, the biggest independent show in London in however many years. But by this point, it will be available on Progress on Demand uh, to watch. So, yeah, go and buy that and watch it and see. Just basically see if Jack cried or not. Um, <laughs> that's that's it's, 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 it's worth the fee alone. Um, so yeah. So what's ahead? Do you know? Oh, oh, what's ahead? Also, you're you're moving into the WWE. Does that mean completely relocating? Are you moving over to Florida and and, and living there, or is it a 
back and forth affair. What's what's the plan? Uh, well, after I'm done crying, I'm <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, it, I, it looks to be that I will be moving to Florida to live full time. Amazing. Uh, so I I found I found a place to live. Uh, just need to get that sorted. And I'm fortunate as well in the timing that a lot of a lot of my personal friends are also moving over to America or, or yep. working in America now. Um, people like uh, Nikki Glencross, who is known as Nikki Storm when she was wrestling here, is yep. currently in the WWE. Yeah. Um, so having people like that around me, I'm very, very fortunate for. Yeah. Uh, but it looks to be a full-time deal. I won't be... I, the plan isn't to be popping in and out of other independents. The plan will be a full-time be on NXT and be on Raw. Amazing. That's ex- exciting. Is, is there anyone... And again, this is... This isn't to exclude anyone, but the cruiserweight division is is hugely exciting. Mm-hmm. There's some amazing people in there. Is there anyone? I mean, first of all, who in the cruiserweight division instantly has your eye as, mm-hmm. as someone you'd like to be pit up against? But then also, I want to discuss outside of the cruiserweight division as well because that's a, a, a box of treats as well. Mm-hmm. There. So yeah, who who jumps out instantly that you that you've maybe not worked with or that has caught your eye? Um, or, or that you have worked with and you feel that you can do an amazing show on that big stage? I, I think I, I think I would have some interesting matches with Brian Kendrick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as, as, as we record this, uh, Mr. Brian Kendrick, or the Brian Kendrick, is going to wrestle TJ Perkins yeah. for the Cruiserweight title at Night of Champions. So um, whoever has the belt... Yeah. Is is on my radar because I very much want that belt. I think it looks yeah. quite lovely. It's it's it, it, it's a delightful colour, and I can just imagine the array of of, of suits you'd get to complement <laughs> it. So it's it's worth it for that. Um, I'm sure the cruiserweights aren't always going to be restricted to fighting other other cruiserweights. That's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty of of that division. It's the beauty of what. Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero over the years mm. did of having those amazing cruiserweight matches but then also going no w- we can also hold our own against this guy against that guy I mean Eddie Guerrero taking the belt off Brock Lesnar mm. is the ideal the ultimate illustration of that it's showing the biggest against a classic cruiserweight and mm. showing oh, what can be done so is there anyone on the roster outside of the cruiserweight division that you look at and go God imagine that Imagine how that would work. Cesaro. Yeah. I, I think I would have some very fun matches with yeah. Cesaro. Uh, and currently he's in a best of seven series of Sheamus, so he's yep. used to uppercutting ginger people. <laughs> he certainly is. He certainly um, is. So I, I, that name jumps out at me a lot as well. He's, he's very much the wrestler's wrestler, the wrestling fan's wrestler. He's just so versatile. So, yeah. Just, just, just so able and yeah, and mm-hmm. always in amazing matches. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm. Is yeah. there anyone else? Um, yeah, I'm only going to push for one more, just to, I, just I, for fun. W- once he gets back, I would quite like to wrestle Finn Balor as yeah. well. Yeah, because I've never had the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So, Again, uh, it's perfect. He's 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 had that journey. Again, in 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 many areas of the journey, mirroring each other with. His 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 career over in Japan and his his he, he fought in progress. <laughs> you know he, yeah. he he came and had a run out in progress. So yeah, that's very exciting. Well, I'll end it there. Um, where can people keep up to date on all your 
comings and goings. Uh, on Twitter, I am Gentleman Jack G, and on Instagram, I'm Mr. Gentleman Jack. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for chatting, and I can't wait to see you on Raw, on NXT, and all over the place. Thank you very much. Thank you. There we go. What a wonderful human being Jack is. I love that dude. That was absolutely a delight to talk to him. Can't wait to see the impact he makes in 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 the WWE. Uh, from what I know, he's he's going into Raw, and they seem to have big plans for him. He 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 was as I mentioned on the podcast. He was one as I mentioned on talking to Jack just now. He was one of the guys that. Seemed to come in without much expectation into the Cruiserweight Classic and really steal the show and have the crowd just completely on board. So I can't wait to see what I've got planned for him on Raw and on NXT because the beauty there is they're doing a lot of crossover stuff. So very excited to see all that is ahead for our, our lad Jack. So thank you for tuning in. As I mentioned, if you enjoyed that, I recommend you go back and listen to the Will Ospreay episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast, the Jim Smallman episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast, the Chris Jericho episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast, and what's more, get involved in Tuesday Night Jaw. It's it's on the Distraction Pieces network, it's hosted by Jim Smallman, I'm a regular guest on there for the pay-per-view roundup round tables, but he has amazing guests, amazing a wrestling chat, they've done, they did a draft episode which was absolutely fantastic, they've done breakdowns of 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 the New Japan tournament recently. They did breakdowns of 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 the PWG tournament recently. And yeah, it's a great podcast and I'm super proud to have it on the Distraction Pieces Network. So thank you for tuning in. Next week I've got John Bradley, who is also known as Sam from Game of Thrones. He's fantastic. It was a wonderful chat. In fact, weirdly a chat that starts off talking about when or talking about wrestling <laughs> and talking about when he was on the on the Jericho podcast and things like that. So, yeah, check that out next week. The week after that, I've got a charity on called, or two guys who work with a charity called Dignity and Dying. Um, I've got Lloyd, who was who who works for the charity, and they're kind of campaigning to make it so that if someone has a terminal illness, they can have a choice to to die peacefully rather than have to go to another country and and use Dignitas and stuff like that and have any friends and family that want to be with them risk arrest and prison and all sorts of other stuff. Um, so I've got, yeah, Lloyd who works for Dignity and Dying and, um, and Mick who, 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 who has come to work with them and who tells an amazing story of, 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 of when he, he, he took that risk of arrest and traveled with a dear friend of his to see him off as such um it's it's an amazing episode so i recommend you all check that out out next week but for now i will say goodbye this has been the distraction pieces podcast episode 119 see you next week